welcome to the Palmwood Podcast, part of the teaching ministry of Palmwood Church in Oviedo, Florida, where we love God extravagantly, love people with humility, and mentor others to do the same. Here's Pastor John with an introduction for this week's message. Thanks, David. Hi, everyone. Well, we're back after a sabbatical of a few months, and we're jumping right back into our series, Know What You Believe, based on the framework of the Apostles' Creed, with the next stanza, I Believe in the Communion of the Saints. Friends, in our very broken and divided world, there is no more important theological truth than this one right now. There is a real unity and communion with God and with each other in Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says that Christians are ministers of reconciliation. Of all people, the church is to put this timeless unity on display. But unfortunately, church folks don't always do a good job of that. In today's segment of the series, I unpack the importance of the communion of the saints for just such a time as this. I hope it's a blessing to you. Well, this morning, we are basically doing part two of the sermon we started last week. I told you last week when we talked about the Holy Catholic Church, um, the universal church, that the flip side of that coin, and we'll talk more about it when we actually get to the sermon itself, is the communion of the saints. And so today, we're going to talk about the communion of the saints, and our scripture passage is from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 11, Chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Listen now. This is what the ancients were commended for. That statement's going to be important when we get to the sermon. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a sacrifice better than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Listen to this now. This is Noah that attained righteousness that comes by faith. That's New Testament, New Covenant language, even about the Old Testament saints. By faith, Abraham when he was to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. 
By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren. Remember that Abram was a 100 years old, and Sarah was 90 was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Listen now. All of these people were living, still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things that were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, here's the the clincher of this, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. Praise Jesus. So once again, we're talking about two sides of the same coin. The universal church, or we say the holy Catholic, Catholic with a small c meaning universal, the universal church made up of people from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation, and the communion of the saints together. Friends, there really is a great cloud of witnesses, past, present, and future, all in common union with our triune God because of faith in Christ. I believe in the communion of the saints. And I need to tell you, I really do. That's our topic for today. Let's pray. Father, I'm stunned, as I often am. I could not have known when this series was planned in December that the topic of the communion of the saints would fall at a time of such national upheaval. But you did. You set out the markers and the boundaries of this sermon series so that so many of these messages fell at just the perfect time as an encouragement for your people and instruction for the world. And I am humbled, Lord, that you would choose to use me and Palmwood Church to be your instrument in this way as you're using other local churches all around the world in the same way right now. And so, Father, I, today, I don't just pray for us, for me, for the people in this room, for those that are watching on this feed. I pray for your universal church this day. I pray for your anointing and your Holy Spirit to fall upon the church worldwide, global, 
that we could be the very things that we've been singing about, that we've been worshiping you about, that we could be the united people of God, showing that, that we have the secret, we have the, the means of unity this world is striving for. And it's, it's not a forced ecumenical unity. It's not something that is, is dictated by politics or by the law. It is something that comes by a common transformation of the heart in Jesus Christ. And it is the very thing that makes us the communion of the saints. And so Jesus today, anoint your church. Help us to put the communion of the saints on display for all to see. And may it bring peace to this world. May it bring a message of clear direction to this world. May it woo those who are hurting, those who are confused, those who are angry, those who have been oppressed to the freedom and the joy of faith in Christ. And may they find it not just hyperbole, but reality in us. Go before me in this message and allow me to be your conduit. Holy Spirit, may these be your words this day. And may they strike where the iron of the heart is hot and ready to receive it, to mold it and to shape it in every human being, into what you have desired and you have designed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about the communion of the saints. Perhaps it's good for us as we begin to define what a saint is in the first place. Um, The word saint simply means holy one. Someone who is holy. Now, we've talked about this word holy before. Um, I've got a, an illustration that I, I go to whenever we're, we're talking about holiness because it just really drives the point home. And some of you, especially some of you here in the room, have heard me share this before. Uh, so it's, it's an old illustration. But there's other people on the feed right now that this will be new for. Um, you and I... We practice a form of holiness every day in our own lives. If you've ever brushed your teeth, and I hope you have, (laughs) your toothbrush is, in a very real sense, holy to you. Because holy means set apart for a special purpose. Your toothbrush is set apart for you, for your special purpose. You use your toothbrush, to brush your teeth. Now, if you were to use your toothbrush to scrub the sink or then to scrub the floor, or if we want to make it really grotesque, to clean the toilet, would you then want to use your toothbrush to brush your teeth? I'm saying there's people in the room are are all doing this. No, they certainly would not want to do that. Why? Because it is defiled because it is no longer usable for the purpose for which you purchased it. And it's the same thing with us, friends. Jesus purchases purchases us with his own blood. 
what the Bible says. We're bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. And he sets us apart for God's special purposes. And then when we go and we use our lives and our bodies for things that are debased, things that, that are evil, things that, that don't honor God, God feels the same way about us as we feel about that toothbrush that's been used for a bad purpose. We're defiled. Now, the good news is, if we are in Christ, there's always the fresh washing of forgiveness again that makes us holy all over again, if we are in Christ. But that word holy now is perhaps, has a little more meat to it for you. It means reserved for a special purpose. Saints, holy ones, are God's special vessels. Saints are sacred, set apart, made holy by Christ's shed blood. Saints are those who have surrendered to the rule and reign of Jesus. And it is these holy ones that make up the universal church that we talked about last Sunday. If you have your Bible with you, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Right at the introduction, Paul deals with this as he's writing to the church at Corinth. He says in verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those, listen now, sanctified, that means made holy, sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to their Lord and ours. And so those who are saints are part of what we've called the universal church. Those who are saints, who are holy ones, we are all collected together from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every people, every ethnicity with all of our distinctiveness and the, and the beautiful things that we bring to humanity together in Christ, under the blood of Christ, because of Calvary, we make up this beautiful fellowship called the church. Christ's universal church is holy, it is set apart, it is made up of saints because those of us that are in it are holy. We are set apart saints. Christ's universal church is holy because its head, Jesus Christ, is holy. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It is because of him, speaking of Jesus, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, listen, our righteousness, our holiness, and redemption. Jesus is holy, and he makes us holy. Christ's universal church is holy because it is filled with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Paul writes, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Sacred means holy. That's what the word means. Christ's universal church is separated unto God. We talked about that last week. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. We are made holy. We are separated from the darkness and brought into God's 
wonderful light. Christ's universal church is separated out of the world. John or in, Jesus in John chapter 17 during his, his high priestly prayer, he actually says this, that we are, we are pulled from the world spiritually while we remain in it physically. Remember, Jesus says, Father, I, I don't want you to take them out of the world because the world needs us. He needs our witness. But he says that we are now in the world, but not of the world. We are separated unto Jesus. So what is a saint? Saints are those God's holy, separate, special people reserved for his sacred purposes. We are redeemed for his worship and his glory. So let's talk about the communion of those saints. At its most basic level, the word communion means fellowship. And in John's first letter to the church, he describes exactly what we mean by this. In John, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, John writes about Jesus now. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. So he's, he's talking now about the encounter that, that they have had with Jesus, that they've seen him with their eyes, they've heard his teaching with their ears, they've embraced him with their arms and, and touched him with their hands. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Word there is capitalized, so it's referring to Jesus. That life appeared and we've seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that, listen, you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are part of a fellowship not only of humanity in Christ, but our fellowship, our communion, our common union because of the blood of Christ is with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is a sense in which the relationship that God has had from eternity past, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, love and harmony and unity, and then in the midst of that relationship of love and harmony and unity that's been going on from eternity past, God says in a moment of time, I want to create mankind so that we can share this love and this harmony and this unity. And so creation is created for that purpose. So God can lavish himself on humanity. And we are invited into the co-creative process to take dominion over what has not yet been subdued in creation and to make it all a, a sing, all of creation sing glory to God. And then we sinned. And the relationship was broken. And the relationship was severed. And the rest of the story of the Old Testament is the story of God aligning putting all the pieces of the puzzle together so that when the Messiah would come, Jesus Christ, his final sacrifice on the cross of Calvary would once again make it possible. We said this during our communion time this morning, make it possible for us to have that renewed relationship with God, that renewed covenant with him. And so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whose fellowship has never been broken, now invites us back up 
into that relationship. The communion of the saints is a community of all believers for all time. For all time. Galatians 3. Galatians 3, verses 26 through 29. Listen to what Paul writes to the church at Galatia. You are all sons, you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither, listen now, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This promise was given from ages past, and we are now heirs to the very same promise. This is huge, friends. We are children of the Most High God, children of the Creator by our faith in Christ. In Christ, we have total and complete sweet communion. There are no divisions, right? No divisions. At the time that Paul is writing this, this is revolutionary. And you know what? Right now, today, on June 7th, 2020, it's revolutionary all over again. Because if there's one thing that our world needs right now, this moment, it is this kind of unity. Not a forced unity of, of ecumenicalism that tries to bring all the different belief structures together from the outside by a structure. Not a political unity trying to unite all the different perspectives with respect to politics, which, how's that going for us? No, this is a, a unity that comes from within, not from without. It's a unity that's driven by the Holy Spirit because of our common union faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says. This is incredible, especially in the day that he's writing this. Jews and Gentiles are one. Slave and free are one. Male and female are one in Christ. This has enormous implications for our national upheaval right now. Enormous. Listen, the world is responding to the oppression and the injustices that have been placed upon the black community for generations. The world is right now in upheaval and responding to this. The problem is the world does not have the answer that they need to bring that unity they desire. The world doesn't have the solution for which it's searching. And this is actually an indictment, if you will, on us as the church. Really. Because the communion of the saints shows us the answer, and the church today is just as divided as the world. Now, I have no doubt there are individual congregations and there are, there are collections and groupings that are doing this well, but the church at large in North America, let's, let's face it, friends, is very divided. We're divided over theology. We're divided over race. We're divided over all kinds of things. And that is not 
possible, listen to me, in the real communion of the saints. So we have to do some very serious soul-searching as the church when all the protests begin to wane, when the riots and the violence and the God-awful killings end, the world is still not going to have their answer. They have to see it in a unified church of Jesus Christ where people from every language, every nation, every tongue, every tribe, past, present, future, every denomination that has surrendered to Christ, all of us of every ethnicity are one, are one in Jesus. A church where there are no divisions, a church where there is no conflict, A church where there are no competing agendas among the people, but only the singular, unifying, Emmanuel agenda to redeem the world. One that recognizes all the beautiful uniqueness and contribution of every single ethnicity that God has created in his image, but sees our church family as one race, the human race, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We say, we believe in the communion of the saints, but we don't demonstrate it. And I would say to you, friends, in part, we are at fault for what's happening in our nation today. May God forgive us. The communion of the saints includes every believer of every ethnicity from the past. And the most incredible thing to me is that it even includes forward faith-looking believers from before Jesus was even born. Those Old Testament ancients that were commended. I want to read Hebrews 11 again because... It's incredible. We don't, we're not even reading the whole chapter. The chapter goes way on beyond where we, where we left off. And I would encourage you to, to read that because there's so many more names. But <clears throat> this is New Testament language about the saints of old. New Testament language about Abel. New Testament language about Abraham. New Testament language about Noah. New Testament language about these people of the Old Testament. David and Samson and others. Listen once again to our scripture passage today. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Who's commending them? God is commending them. God is saying they're included because of their forward-looking faith to the cross. Now they didn't know it was the cross at that point, but they knew what they were looking for. They knew it was God. They knew provision would be made, and they had their whole hearts open to that and looking forward to that. 
By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what has been seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man. When God spoke well of his offerings and by, by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, friends, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about what was not yet seen, in holy fear, there's that word, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that comes by faith. That is gospel language, friends. Romans chapter 1. I am not ashamed of the gospel because in it is a righteousness from God revealed, a righteousness that comes by faith from first to last. It says that Noah became an heir to the righteousness that is by faith. That's gospel language. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed, and he went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to a city whose foundations and whose architect and builder is God." By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and as countless as the sand of the seashore. Listen to these last few verses. All these people, all of them, were still living by faith when they died and they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them by faith, from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country that they had left, they had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It's the same city He's prepared for us. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples right before he was taken. I go to prepare a place for you. It's the same promise for the Old Testament saints as it is for us. The communion of the saints includes believers from the past, even Old Covenant era, who had genuine forward-looking faith. The communion of the saints includes believers today. We talked about that's That's last week's whole message, 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. The communion of the saints includes those who will confess Christ in the future. Jesus tells us this himself in his high priestly prayer, John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. He's prayed to the Father on his own. He's prayed for his disciples. Now he comes to pray for us. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you and I? He says in verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone, talking about the disciples. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. Friends, that's us. That's us. That all of them, listen to the prayer, may be 
one. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Why? Listen to the words of Jesus. So that the world may believe that you sent me. The communion of the saints is the single biggest demonstration of the reality of God for this world. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples. The world will know that you belong to me by what? How you love each other. By the unity that we have. The communion of the saints is fellowship with Jesus. This communion with Jesus is fellowship of everything about Jesus. His righteousness, his glory, but also his suffering. It's the whole package. This communion of the saints is fellowship with each other. I would just take us back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verses 12 and 13. Paul writes, The body, speaking of the church, is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. Though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Friends, all of this is wrapped up in the words, I believe in the communion of the saints. There is no way, there is no way I could have planned for this message to fall on this Sunday. There's no way that that we as the leadership team back in December as we were talking about this series could have known how it was going to unfold. But God did. And God has a message for you and I that we need to pay attention to. This communion of the saints thing, we need to pursue it with everything we are. He's already made the provision. The blood of Christ has already been shed. And those of us that are have surrendered to Jesus, we're already in the place where we can make that happen. We just need to do it. The racial divide in our country, you want to know how to fix it? I'm more confident of this right now than I've ever been in my entire life. We do it in the church. It'll happen in the world. The repair comes with us first. When we get our spiritual act together and put it on display, the world will take notice because that's how God designed it. That's the way it's supposed to work. The communion of the saints is made up of all those who've surrendered to Christ and have been made holy, separate, and sacred by his blood. The communion of the saints is an incredible fellowship, a fellowship of all believers for all time. The communion of the saints is a beautiful answer to what our nation and our world desperately need right now. The communion of the saints is full and forever uninterrupted fellowship with God, our Heavenly Father, Christ our Savior, the Holy Spirit. The communion of the saints is real. 
loving, and eternal fellowship with each other. The Holy Catholic Universal Church, the communion of the saints. Two sides of one coin that have to be taken together as we talk and teach about them. Would you agree with me that these truths are essential to our faith today? Let's pray. Jesus, I can't speak for everybody, but I can only speak for myself at this moment. I'm standing on the promise of 1 John 1, 8, and 9. I've been a party to this, to not walking out this oneness that you have destined us for the way that I should. And so I confess that as sin and stand on the promise that you will forgive that and cleanse me from all of the unrighteousness that goes with it. And I pray, Lord, that that would be true for your church, universal. Certainly Palmwood, but the church universal, that we collectively, what a, what a massive demonstration this would be for the world if the whole church all around the globe, all together at one moment, one time, became one all pursued the communion of the saints. Holy Spirit, make it so. Make it real. Make it undeniable. Shake this world to its foundations with the oneness of the people of God set apart and sacred for your purposes, your holy saints. Make this real, Father, we pray. And start with us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for the Palmwood Podcast. If you'd like more information about Palmwood Church and its ministry, see our website at palmwoodchurch.com. Have a blessed day.